Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. I feel like I haven't talked to you ladies in a really long time. I know. You've been a traveling Wilbury. <laughs> I know. This has been a long end to the summer. Um, and unfortunately, that means it is ending and school is starting, except not as anyone hoped <laughs> it would start um, or as anyone envisioned, including, it seems, the school districts themselves. <laughs> so today on the show, we thought we would have on an expert who can help us navigate what this looks like to be doing remote school, not to be confused with homeschooling, um, remote school, because someone else is dictating your curriculum, your goals, all that stuff, probably, hopefully, maybe even your kid's schedule. So we have Eva Green Wilson on the show today. She's an author and blogger, and she's been through every iteration of virtual homeschooling, remote schooling, you can imagine. She's absolutely so smart and so on this. And we had a really great conversation that I think you're going to love all about how you can stay sane and actually hopefully create a productive, successful beginning to the school year for your children remotely. We will be right back with Eva Green Wilson. We are back with our guest, Eva Green Wilson. She is a blogger and author, an author of the book, Regular Ass Homeschoolers, which we <laughs> totally appreciate. Title. It's a great title. Um, Eva, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You know, we, um, Andrew's son is in his 20s. Amy has a sophomore in college and a junior in high school. I have two girls starting college. We've all experienced, well, Amy and I have experienced a taste of what it's like to have remote schooling going on in your home. Um, but you have done every single facet of remote schooling, whether it's virtual, remote, homeschooling. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of in awe <laughs> because I think, <laughs> I think parents around the country are really falling apart. I mean, people are um, really, really, really having a hard time with the fact that for many school year has yet again started online. How, you know, how did you get into that? How did you approach it? Well, I'll, I'll start where I am right now. I am in Chicago and they've decided to do fully virtual for the beginning of the school year. And um, I say they, because I sent my children right back to public school, right? When, you know, we moved and I said, I am going to, you know, move on from the homeschooling life. <laughs> and then guess what happens? First, Chicago has a school strike and the kids are looking at me. I'm looking at them. I'm like, I didn't know. I thought y'all were going to have, you know, you are going to have your experience, your high school experience. And then a pandemic. And so I'm like, all right, look, so so y'all are just destined to be at home with me. Maybe that's what it is. But I did not opt for homeschooling this year. I've been there, done that. I actually do have a T-shirt, but I wasn't going to do it again. And it's very, very different what we're doing now. The remote schooling, it's very, very different. Um, I think because school, brick and mortar school is designed in a certain way. It's designed in a way that it kind of tries to figure out what everybody can do. 
and there's a baseline of what everybody can do. Like everybody can get to this building. Everybody can sit in this desk. Everybody can look at these books, right? And then now we've been forced into this thing where everybody's desk is different. Everybody's, you know, the temperature in the in the room is different for every person, right? So, you know, that's where I am now where it when it comes to virtual schooling, or uh, I guess it's called remote now. Everybody has a different term for it, but it's remote schooling now. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not doing homeschool, not doing virtual school necessarily. I'm doing the remote public school option. So, you know, we've had to come up with a few different things to to make this work. But um, as far as how I started schooling at home, I like to call it that because I've done, like you said, every different way this can be done. I've tried it. Um, I call it school at home because, you know, if it's remote, it's you're doing your school at home. If it's a, a curriculum you've come up with yourself, you're still doing your school at home. So that's my my overarching term for it. But I brought my daughter home at four years old. She was in brick and mortar school. Like I said, I love school. I, I love school that's not with me at my house. I love it outside. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not a lifestyle I chose for myself. But um, we sent her to school at three, did not know what was going to happen, uh, found out that she was gifted and she was not able to continue socially. You know, her her academics could not keep up with her. Well, her mind, I guess, like her social could not keep up with her brain. So mm-hmm. she came home. And then my other two boys, they're like, oh, I'm good. So they stayed there for a while until they, you know, had some challenges and needed to come home. So that's how everybody ended up at home. I did not read a book and say, oh my gosh, I'd love <laughs> to sit home and play Legos with my kids. No, that, that didn't, <laughs> that never happened. So that's I'm so glad to hear started. that. <laughs> look, look. Seriously. I, I've always homeschooled out of necessity. It has never been, I just want to sit there and look at you guys. I mean, I love them. I do. But so that's where I started and that's where I am now. So it's so interesting because I, I think one of the things you touched on, which is what a lot of parents are grappling with, is this is not homeschooling. This is not you saying, here's our curriculum. I'm now going to figure out how this can best be delivered to you and how we're going to organize our day. It's actually the school system saying, for the most part, here's how your day is going to go. Here are the milestones. Here's what we need to achieve. Now, hey, you parents at home. Make this the best possible situation for your kid to achieve all this. Right. And it, it's it puts kind of an, an individualized picture up there that you weren't expecting, right? When you send your kids somewhere, they control that environment. But they are now giving you only a piece of the control. And that's very, very difficult for parents who've never done it before. This is the time when you find out, especially if you have multiple children, that they truly do learn differently. They have adapted to learning in a static environment in a classroom with all these other children and one teacher. And, you know, this is how this is the windows are closed. The air is on. The heat is on. Like they have kind of adapted to that. But when they're at home, You've got two different kids. Some of them, like mine, go to two different high schools, mm-hmm. right? So they're used to, you know, they have different, um, like the, the the mood of the schools, are com- they're completely different. The children that they're used to being around, completely different. So now I've got these 
two kids that usually I only have to worry about, well, I know this kid does, has texture issues and doesn't like soft food. And then this kid. So you wonder who has red sauce on their thing, who has Alfredo <laughs> on their pasta. That's all I have to do as far as individualizing things. But now one kid is like, well, I don't like this desk. And the other one is like, well, can I just do school in my, you know, in my bed? And, and, and then the school says, well, I want them to do it at this time, at this hour. And a lot of it has to do with what the school's agenda is. And that is to get the children back into school and not kind of not disrupt that routine. So you don't have control over where they are. You just kind of have, you just kind of take whatever they've given you, you know, and that, and that can be very, very hard for parents and, and teachers because teachers are used to having a controlled environment. They're used to saying, all right, this is my seating chart or this worked for me last year. I can use it again. This is new for everybody, especially if they haven't done any sort of remote teaching before. So yeah, that's where a lot of the problems come in. A little grace for everybody, I guess, right now. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I I wonder, you know, it's interesting. My daughters also went to two different high schools. And, um, you know, one of the things I found having twins before when they were in the same schools when they were younger was I always got this dual view of how teachers did things. Um, <laughs> so, you yes. know, and what, maybe not fair to compare, but you, you do. And with two different high schools, it was the same, just seeing um, not just teaching, but how the schools were approaching the remote learning. There, there's a lot of flexibility for schools and how they're going to do it. How are you creating sort of schedules for your kids or working with your kids within those boundaries the school is placing on them? Like, what would be your advice to a parent who is looking at what the school says? And as you said, knowing that your kid is a certain kind of kid and a certain kind of learner. Wow. Okay. So we're dealing with that now with, like you said, the Schools have different approaches. I have one child who has all of her books. She has her schedules for her A day, her B day, and her, you know, the full day of learning. She's got all of those things. I have another student who has absolutely nothing other than what classes he's going to take. That is it. So I would say to put the big rocks in there because they don't normally, they didn't, when they're at home, and they've been home all summer. A lot of them have not been able to get out and do stuff like that and, you know, get out, get air. They haven't been able to participate in their sports. My daughter's a gymnast. She's been doing her gymnastics by Zoom, right? So if you could put in the things that the kids care about. So if your child is, you know, preparing for cross country, hoping that that will take place this year, Think about a time within the schedule, if the school has given you a schedule, within the schedule that you can say, all right, this is a time where you can at least get on the treadmill or you can uh, take a run around the block if you're in the city or if you're in a neighborhood, you can take a run through the neighborhood just to get some kind of energy out because they're not getting the same stimulus that they got in that classroom. You know, you, you're they're paying attention to the teacher for the most part. Uh, you've got some kids who are, you know, thinking about the what they're going to have for lunch. They have the stimulus of the kid next to them who might giggle at the teacher. They might, you know, they've got different things happening around them. But at this point, they're actually still 
sitting in that same place. So I would say to try to put those big things in there that they can look forward to, because they're not going to get to look forward to sitting at a lunch table with their friends. They're not going to, you know, look forward to that little piece of gossip that they're going to share in the hallway in between classes. So try to think of ways that they can look forward to something while they are at the house. Oh, that's such a good tip. You know, you don't think about these poor kids, how it's the those small little social interactions. I think people talk, think of in terms of the big ones, but they don't think in terms of like just the kid next to you who shakes his knee all the time or the, right. you know, your friend who passes you a note. Um, you know, I, I was saying to my husband today that there, there's no serendipity anymore for these kids. There's no one you just bump into in the hallway and remember you wanted to tell them something or, you know, someone just sort of invites you over spontaneously and you have that. That's a huge part of school. Yes. So yes. how, so when you're balancing the academics, right? Like you, if you're lucky enough to have a school that gives you a schedule, that's great. Like you have some sort of template and probably less arguing with your child. Yes. <laughs> you have a third party. When you're one of those schools, that's like, here's your worksheets, you know, good luck, get it done. Um, you know, what do you do for that? What do you do to really create that structure for your kid without your kid resenting you? Well, one of the things that I had to think about a lot is the have, being a kid's teacher and being their parent is very, very difficult. It's not like you can change T-shirts and they say, OK, well, now, you know, you can now now listen to me about this particular thing. Right. And, you know, you've been you tell them all day, you know, brush your teeth, wash your face. Uh, get your breakfast, all of that. And then they have to hear you say, all right, get your worksheets. Are you, it's, it's a lot for them to take in. And that separation is kind of nice for them, right? They kind of get to put, all right, this is mommy being mom. This is teacher being teacher. Um, but it's hard for them now. So what I would say, since we're talking about children who are primarily 10 and up, give them some sort of autonomy when it comes to that. My daughter really, really loves Google Calendar. It makes her feel like a grown up. She's been using it for a very long time. And she's able to kind of put her schedule together. And then she can sync it with my calendar and say, what do you think about this? And kind of make it a team sort of effort. So you get a chance to take off the mommy hat. And it's not going to be a full on teacher hat because they're tired of listening to you. Let's just be honest. They don't want to listen to you any longer. So if you make it a kind of a collaborative effort and say, well, what do you think? How do you feel? You know, make it like we're lucky. You actually have a chance to design your own day. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do. I can, I can, you know, hmm. now that you don't have to, now that they don't get to decide when math is, when do you feel like math is a, you know, when you feel like you're good for math? Do you feel like starting with art in the morning? Do you feel like, you know, starting off the day reading part of your English assignment? What is it? that makes you feel most productive during the day and giving them that kind of responsibility of, you know, kind of crafting their day is really cool. Especially when you've got the kids who are starting middle school and they're, um, or they're already in high school and they're used to just getting their schedule and working their stuff out. They're going to appreciate that rather than you standing over them like some weird overlord telling them what they were <laughs> supposed to do, you know, from the high council who's given you these worksheets, you know. What do you do if your kids wake up one morning or one kid wakes up one morning and they're just like, yeah, 
I'm not into it today. I just don't feel like having school today. I mean, I imagine that trying to combine that role of parent and teacher is just such a fine line. Andrea, you just described my entire last spring with my daughter. (laughs) Yep. When they are over it, which will happen more often than not, because they're combining these two places, right? When my daughter was over it, when it came to school, you know, you get to that weird place after Christmas and they're like, "Eh, I don't want to do it anymore. And you've got, all right, we got to go. Put your clothes on. We're going out of the door. You don't have that at home to say, oh, we're late. They're like, I'm not late. I'm home. I'm I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm good. So dealing with that is a little tougher. But as with parenting, everything is a test. They're just trying to see what you're going to do. Hmm. And they just want to know, hey, uh, how how much how much autonomy do I really have? How much are they, how much do they have to listen to that teacher? Because I know when I'm at school, I have to listen to this teacher. But these are two grown-ups. It's kind of for them, I bet you this is like a reality show. They're just like right. watching the parents and the teachers kind of go at it and they're going, Well, you know, what can I throw in here to see what happens? But, you know, just let them know you have options, but not doing it is not one of those options, especially if you are in a school where they don't give you that option. With my daughter's school, if the kids are having screen fatigue and things like that, they are able to contact the teachers and say, you know, we just can't do it today because it does lead to migraines. And for some kids, the my pediatrician was telling us that kids are having stomach issues because they're not walking around and changing classes and they're not, you know, pulling a snack out of their bag and sneaking it under the desk. Their eating habits have completely changed because the cafeteria is outside their bedroom door and maybe down the stairs. So they don't have the same, everything is changing for them. And then also they're staring at a screen all day, even though the kids do have screens in their classroom sometimes, it's not the way that they're doing it now. They're viewing their uh, fellow students on the screen, they're viewing their teacher on the screen, and they really have no incentive to look around the room. They have no reason to look around the room. Their entire focus, some of the books are on the computer screen as well, their entire focus is on the screen. So, you know, they are going to get tired, And I would say just make sure that they do have, you know, some kind of idea that this is not optional, especially if the school says that it's not optional. You can let them know you may have some bad days, which is a human thing. But for the most part, you went to school. Some people will give their kids some Tylenol and be like, just you're going to (laughs) go. Some kids were working on perfect attendance. They're going to go. So my hope is that now that we've all kind of settled into this reality, that that will actually help the kids dig in. Because I know that in spring for my daughter, she was a sophomore. Um, everything ended so suddenly. Yes. The school didn't really have their act together. And New York City went pass fail if you wanted it. Oh, and like wow. every incentive to do well just went out the window. Yes. And now that that's gone, you know, now they're starting the year like this. There's no more pass fail. They don't know how long it's going to last, but it's not like the, hey, maybe it'll be just a month thing that we had last spring. I'm really hoping that 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 creates just a different mental place for these kids. And I think that is what's happening. My daughter is starting high school and is extremely excited 
I mean, and I'm I'm wondering huh. where the excitement is coming from because you really are going to be sitting in front of a screen like you were all summer long. But for them, they're lucky that they have, like, if this had been happening to me when I was in school, I would be devastated because we wouldn't have had social media. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the kids are connecting on TikTok. They're connecting on Instagram. They've got little Google chats that they're doing to kind of get to know each other. So, you know, they do have other options outside of that to kind of feel like they belong. Her school store has clothes that they can that they can buy, you know, to kind of feel like they're a part of the group. Again, my son, his school, not so much. They're like, we'll let you know. What's going to happen? It's so sad when you when you have the ability to compare. I mean, you're almost better not knowing. It would have (laughs) been better not knowing because he's looking at her like, really? Because she is excited. Right. And then if you say something to that school, right, you're like that parent. If you're like, you know, this other school and then they're like, they don't want to hear that. (laughs) Especially if it's public school. They're like, oh, uh, yeah. We're doing our best. <laughs> right. And you're like, no, you're not, because I see what the best is, and it's over there. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You can't pull that on me. Yeah. You know, it is It is interesting, and I, I, to Amy's point, like everyone was saying, spring was a disaster, and this has to be different. It's starting different, but I'm beginning to wonder if these school districts need to think about parent orientation, like some sort of rollout for parents and not just the kids because the parents are the ones not only dealing with it but are going to deal with the really bad repercussions of if you have that kid who doesn't want to do the work or if you have a kid who has migraines or if you know whatever those issues are it doesn't really feel like anyone's supporting the parents it feels like the focus has very much been on like let's get the teachers their pd and then if the if that's good enough the kids will just get it and that is kind of the 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 issue, like I was saying at the beginning, when you pick up the kids and put them in a building, you can control that environment. And it's like, like you said, the parents aren't getting any guidance. You know, I'm getting some, watch this video to see how the kids get on Google Classroom. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's great. I can help the kid if he can't get on. But like you said, what happens when they don't want to go to school? I am now a truancy officer. I'm already the lunch lady. I've got all these different things that I have to do. How are we supposed to deal with that and still report to, you know, report to the school and say, I'm having these kinds of issues when ordinarily they would just hear from the teacher saying that, you know, the teacher says, I'm having an issue with this student. Now you've got a teacher and a facilitator who's the parent saying, I'm also having issues with my student. I have friends who are teachers who are saying, yeah, this kid kind of rolls around on the floor right. during, <laughs> you know, during class. I know the parent is there because he's like <laughs> seven. So what am I supposed to do about now I have a parent to deal with and a child to deal with? So you're right. It would be great if they had some sort of orientation outside of how to use Google Classroom and how to log on to all 50 different things and how to download the different things, just how to deal with having your child at home when you are not actually the authority. It's difficult. Well, I think you just stumbled on something that you should write. <laughs> no, I think you just need to write that book, like the parent oh, you orientation. Know, you know, just write the parent orientation manual. Just go ahead and get to it. <laughs> they can, the public schools can buy it from you and distribute it because they right. need help. I mean, I do think the parents are the sort of missing piece of the equation that nobody's really talking about. And let's not forget, most parents are 
if they're lucky enough, are working from home, right? Hopefully, they've been able to do remote work so they can sort of support their kid. I mean, there's so many parents who have to go back to work physically that are also now scrambling for childcare to watch yes. their kid while they're doing this. And that's a whole other piece that no one really seems to be caring about. Um, you know, at what age is your kid okay to be left alone? And right all day to do virtual school you know that's something parents think about a lot just what age is my child old enough to be alone like so I can go out to a movie or don't have to be there right after school and they can be there three hours but now we're talking about all day and with three children I can look at them and say they are all responsible in different ways and I can imagine the nightmare that parents are having to deal with when you have the kid who is 12 and they should be able to stay at home for maybe two hours. And you're looking at your your neighbor's kid who, you know, the parent's not home. They're cutting the grass. They're washing right. the dishes. They're watching <laughs> a younger sibling. And your kid is like, you know, glued to Minecraft or whatever they're supposed to do so they forget to eat. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's hard to not compare your children as far as in terms of maturity to other kids. But that's a real, real issue. And here they have uh, their first plan was to have children who were juniors and seniors to do fully virtual and have the two, the freshmen and sophomores go in a couple days a week. That's before they went fully virtual. And I'm thinking, you know, you're assuming a lot about a 15 year old. <laughs> you're, you're assuming <laughs> that they are going to log in on time and that these parents can go to work and do all the things that they have to do. So with mine, like right now, I have a sticky note on the door saying, uh, recording now, do not knock. And there is no smiley face. It is the face with the straight line. <laughs> says, I'm not joking with you right now. <laughs> so, you know, working from home is, is tough. It's very, very hard. Even if you're in the summertime, it was hard. So, you know, I would say to make sure that if you get your kids into Google Calendar, that they can sync their calendar with yours and that they actually care about your day. And because a lot of times they haven't had to think about your day, just like you haven't really had to think about theirs. So it's going to be a lot of working together. Some of them will step up to the plate. If you say, listen, I have to go in for this meeting for two hours. You are 14 years old. Please don't make me take the, the cord from the, t from the TV. <laughs> just do this for me, right? And if you kind of let them know, hopefully you've been treating them as, as actual human beings all this time, right? Because this is when you're going to find out what your parents, how well you actually <laughs> did. Okay, This is when we find out. So, you know, if you've been treating them as people all this time and demanding that they treat you as a person, not their servant, all this time, you can show them your schedule and say, this is what I have to do today. Let me see your schedule and let's kind of coordinate. Maybe we can have lunch together. Maybe we can, you know, we have to make this work. At this point, you guys are coworkers. I know you've seen the memes where they're like, there's my tiny, terrible coworker. Right. <laughs> it's true. That is your tiny coworker and you're going to have to figure out how to work together. Well, this is so helpful and makes me really grateful that my kids graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Rebecca. She's just going to leave us behind. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, well, I have to say I have one, um, you know, one at home because her college went remote and uh, it was so crushing for her that it's almost like the sadness of it overwhelmed the, oh no, now I have to figure this out at home and how are, Mm. you know, my husband and I both working at home and now she's home in our teeny tiny apartment. Um, And I I I do. I think like she was so sad that all we did was be like, how can we make this awesome? And then I was like, oh, wait, I was going to use her room as my office. And this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like that reality set in. But um, thank you so much. I mean, I think we're all just figuring it out as it goes. And I think everything you said is just it's so helpful and so smart and spot on. And good luck to you and your kids. And good luck to you. The the, man, that's a college. That's a tough one. (laughs) It's a t- yeah. Well, especially because she's watching her twin like live her best life at her college, oh. which which moved them in. So um, oh. it would it wouldn't be as bad if that wasn't the case. But <laughs> oh no, that, yeah, that made it worse. Um, but thank you, thank you so much, and um, we will be right back with our bites of the week. Parents, summer is coming to an end, and your kids are heading back to school. But we have no idea what that's going to look like. <laughs> But guess what? You can keep your kids learning and having fun with KiwiCo. They can deliver a science fair, an art class, a cool project right to your door. Amy, I know your kids who are, let's face it, old, (laughs) are super (laughs) excited about their KiwiCo crate. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because we felt left out because you guys had gotten them and I hadn't. So they sent me one. And since my kids are teenagers, they're 16 and 19, I didn't realize at first that there was actually something for their age group. Like there's it goes way beyond kids. And so we've got this tinker crate that my teenagers have actually agreed to do with me this weekend. I'm so excited. Like my we haven't done anything that's not like eating related together (laughs) in so long. So we're going to be building this like pendulum thing with a light and we're we're really excited. I I still can't believe they agreed to do it. I'm excited for it. I think that's cool. I love these projects that bring you and your kids together, but like there's a plan. (laughs) Yeah. So do your part to encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash parenting. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash parenting. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? All right. So last month I told you how my my baking and cooking world was completely rocked by um, that new uh, biscuit recipe, like the yeah. method with biscuits. I had the same experience last night with pesto. Um, I eat a lot of pesto in the summer. I grow like 10 basil plants just to you know, have this like huge pesto fest at the end of the summer and freeze a bunch. And I love pesto. And um, I had found this Food 52 article maybe a month ago called The Absolute Best Way to Make Pesto. And didn't read it. Like I was like, okay, I'll go back to that next time I'm, I'm making pesto. And like the little, you know, in the tab, it says how to make pesto with a mortar and pestle. So like I knew what it was going to be about. Right. And so last night when I was going to make pesto, I was like, oh, I should read that article and see if there are any good tips because I I make it with a mortar and pestle and it's good, but it's so labor intensive. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, you end up with like a little quarter cup for all of that work. 
So I actually read the article and she had basically tested. This is Ella, um, I think she pronounces it Quitner in Food 52. And she had basically tested like every possible way that you could make pesto with just a knife, with food processor, blender, mortar and pestle, with a mezzaluna, and with an immersion blender. Ooh. And yeah. And <laughs> amazingly, the one that came in second, like mortar and pestle is always going to be first, right? Right. The immersion blender came in second by far. I was like, what? So I got out that awesome um, brawn immersion blender that Andrew and I were both sent and made pesto with it. And it took like five minutes and was as good as what I make with a mortar and pestle. Wow. I yeah, I was blown away. So now well, like, am I ever going to make it with a mortar and pestle again? I wonder why that's better than the food processor. Like in what way is that different? It chops it smaller and the motor is farther. Like with the blender and the food processor, she says that the motor is too close to the food and it heats it up. Mm, interesting. And pesto is cold. Pesto is cold, and if you get the yep. basil um, warm, and if you get the oil warm, yeah, things turns. get bitter. Yep. Yeah, and it turns that gross color. Yeah, And it's so funny because I have so many basil plants that have gone haywire. I have more rosemary and basil and parsley this year than I've ever had. And I just said to myself, oh, after the podcast, I'm going to ask Amy if she has a really good <laughs> pesto recipe. And you can freeze so, it. So yep. there you go. And I know yet, I heard that you're supposed to put it in ice cube trays and freeze it that way. You are. But if you're going to freeze it, like if I'm just making it to eat that that day or the next couple of days, I do the entire recipe. I did her method. I still did my own recipe. Maybe I'll, I'll post both. I'll post the article and then like the recipe that I use. Um I do the whole recipe if I'm going to eat it soon, but if I'm going to freeze it, I leave out the cheese mm -hmm. and um, I only do, I don't do all of the oil. And then you add in the rest of the oil and the cheese after it thaws because the cheese does not freeze and thaw great. Mm. Yeah. So. And sometimes people to put um, like a layer of olive oil on top too when yeah. you freeze it so it doesn't turn funky. I've never had a problem. Like sometimes I do that to store it in the fridge, but I've never had a problem with it going funky when I freeze it. I think it just oh, happens good. too fast. And also my recipe has a little lemon juice in it, which is, you know, it brightens it up and helps keep it keep it green. Um, and yeah, so like if you're doing that, that September basil fest that I do every year. Um, pesto Palooza. Uh, pesto. That's what oh they my call God. it at my daughter's school. They do it every year at my daughter's old high school. They have a Pesto Palooza because they grow all their basil. That is awesome. All right. So for <laughs> Pesto Palooza, don't kill your arms. I don't know what I'm going to do with my big, gorgeous mortar. and You know what? I need to do both and taste them side by side because maybe there really is a difference. But this was so good. What do you mean? You take the mortar and pestle out. You pretend that that's what you used. <laughs> you put that out on your counter and you're like, look at how hard I worked. And then I tell my husband I need a shoulder massage because <laughs> right. it was so much work. Yeah, that's that's the plan. But Andrea, you should dry the rosemary. I just want to say that it just it's so dry easy it? to dry it and you'll have you'll have dr fresh dried rosemary all year. And what do I do? Freeze it? No. Or Put just, keep it just dry. dry it. Mm -hmm. OK. Is someone going to tell me how? Do you have we'll, to do anything? We'll post links. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Make, 
Okay, so you know that guy that I mentioned, um, this dude can cook, uh, that, that guy on TikTok, that awesome chef, he has a recipe for rosemary salt that is incredible. Oh, it is that's so good. good. My favorite thing. Oh, that's what he oh. uses. At. So um, I, I'll post the link to that. Just I'll warn you, I made his entire recipe the first time and it was like enough rosemary salt for a year. Oh my make God. like a, like a quarter of his recipe <laughs> at the okay. most. But I also you don't make enough meat. S- yeah. Right. Exactly. I also have so much par- um, rosemary that I want to dry it and keep it so I have it all year fresh. Yeah. That well, I mean, Good. it'll be dried, it'll be but dried. it's still better than like the jarred dried yes. stuff. Right. You right, can right, also right. freeze it in oil. That that gives you another option for using. We're like it now, food. basically just doing a cooking show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. Okay. Forget bites. Bites. Well, This so, is like a separate so show. Let me go to my bite, which is very okay. apropos. So cooking. So you know, you know, I've been cooking too. Been trying, <laughs> and I still have the Calphalon pots and pans that I got when I got married. Oh. Okay, we're talking thirty years ago. Wow. And they're big and heavy and awesome right but they're too big for me now like I had this huge lobster pot and I gave it to my son and my big turkey roasting pan too big so now I'm doing a little bit more cooking inside it's been really hot out and I wanted a new grill pan and my problem with grill pans inside is that it splatters everywhere Mm -hmm. and so I have been using a new grill pan it's an Anilon it's by Anilon um, which I'm just learning all about these other brands. And it is an 11 inch deep square grill pan. So it's got high sides on it. It's got the raised ridges so I can score the salmon or score the chicken. And it's got a pour spout on either side. So if I'm like, you know, trying to brown turkey meat and I want to get the fat out, I just pour it off that way. It's a lot easier. Um, and I love it and it's nonstick and I'm learning because my problem is, is that I spray cooking spray like canola oil or whatever kind of spray and I can never get it off. It sticks to the pan. Those are so bad for pans. Oh, I know. And so now I'm using this pan. So then I was so in love with this because it's so easy to clean and makes such great grilled stuff that I then got from Heston. Have you ever heard of Heston? No. It's H-E-S-T-A-N. It's, I think it's like, like a prosumer, you know, it's, it's consumer, but a little professional. It's got this nanobond technology, it says. And basically it's like super resilient, easy to clean. So the other day I did my sauteed vegetables. I happen to like them decimated, burnt, <laughs> crisp, as crisp as can be. And the entire silver pan turned black. I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And I am telling you, I used my little sponge and the whole thing cleaned up beautifully. Oh, nice. It was absolutely beautiful. My husband also likes this food burned, so that would be handy. (laughs) Oh, I love it burned. And it's heavy. It's heavy. They call it molecular titanium. So it's like it's stronger than my regular stainless steel didn't scratch it says you can use metal uh, utensils although I still use my plastic utensils but I'm not using the cooking spray anymore and that's keeping it clean so there you go and I don't mind cooking and washing the pan because it comes clean easily 
So now I will find recipes for pesto and rosemary, <laughs> and I'll make them in my Heston and my Amelon pans. Yes, and you we'll will make it steak. Them. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, all right. Great. Well, my um, bite this week is a TV show that I think I've been waiting ten years <laughs> to come to the United States. Um, it's called Borgen. I hope you guys have ever heard it. It's a no. political, it's a Danish political drama. Um, and the lead, she's a female prime minister. It is like for years, everyone has been talking about that this is the best show on TV. This is the best political show ever made. Blah, blah, blah. You could not get it unless you want to spend a fortune to buy each season on like Apple TV. No, it was streaming nowhere. So people were like illegally you know, streaming it, doing like BitTorrent. I mean, people were bananas. Um, it is now on Netflix. It finally came this month, I guess. Um, huh. Or maybe it's been there a little longer and we just realized it. But it's three seasons of 10 episodes each. We watched the first one last night. It came out in 2010. And here's what's sad. It could have been made yesterday. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that it's Danish because same issues of immigration and I you know you're like really why why <laughs> why is this the same um but it is so good and I highly recommend when we put it on I'm like why are they sort of speaking English like it was so weird and we realized it was dubbed oh, oh. no no <laughs> you can change that right so we did we went in and put it back to the original with Danish, subtitles and then subtitles in English because yeah. we actually had the subtitles on because I have subtitles on everything and um, they weren't matching what they were saying in English. And I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? It was so awful. It was like watching those old Kung Fu movies. Um, so I recommend putting it on the original Danish so you don't have the weird unsynced lips and you're, you know, and then put it on subtitles. It's so good. Um, and I can see how it's just going to get like better and better and better so i'm super excited we've literally waited 10 years for this it has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> like, wow is, yes um it's borgen b-o-r-g-e-n and is on netflix finally and i don't know how long it'll be there for so hurry up <laughs> go watch hurry it up. now well right. that is great because i just finished season six the last episode of madam secretary which oh. i love 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 which is so apropos of today and trump and you know impeachment and everything else and i love those political shows and i was so upset when i finished it so this is great i'm going to start it yeah if you like madam secretary madam secretary definitely i will also say stole from this um, there are elements you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, like her family, that feels very familiar. They How do you totally know they didn't steal them. it from Madam Secretary? Because Madam Secretary was after. Newer. <laughs> yeah. Way newer. Um, there's, there's just elements of the way they construct her family and stuff where there's no doubt the people who made Madam Secretary are very well aware of Borgen. Um, okay. But well, it's good, really, then I'll like it. You'll definitely like it. The lead actress is kind of awesome. It's like, I don't know. It's so good. They all look normal. <laughs> like actual politicians they don't look also like weird hollywood versions like nobody looks like tay leone in the freaking state department oh. so <laughs> she's gorgeous um, she's beautiful so all right that is our show for today you can find links to everything we talked about at parentingbites.com you can find us on facebook.com slash parenting bites where you'll find links to our shows and you can also leave us comments suggestions share from that page 
please, wherever you're listening to us now, subscribe, rate, share, tell your friends. Um, We love hearing from our listeners. We obviously love getting more listeners. Um, And let us know if there's something you'd like us to talk about. Otherwise, we hope everyone has a nice end to their summer, whatever that may look like. Let's hope for better things ahead. And until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.